and just really connecting with that inner spirit inside all of us. And that it starts with connecting really with the inner child. What's going on? That was Liz Carlisle with Motherhood Unstressed. Check out Liz's own podcast, Motherhood Unstressed, wherever you download your podcasts. Check out her very own line of supplements on her website. Liz is an amazingly impactful and impressive woman. Without further ado, let's get to becoming legendary with Liz Carlisle. Maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legend and become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one Your percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. All right, Liz. Thank you so much for how are you? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing is a really good way to be. I I always like to get right into daily activity. So what's the daily life for Liz look like? Oh, wow. So typically I try to get up before anyone else in the house does so that I can have just some time for my to get centered and figure out what's going on internally. You know, what? where am I, you know, in my relationship to myself in my world? Um, and so I'll get up. I'll, you know, down some water, ideally a liter. Um, I'll do some gentle stretches, some yoga moves, um, and then I will jump right into journaling and meditation. And then from there, you know, at least, you know, half an hour is at that point. And then everyone's kind of stirring and waking up. And so I'm getting two boys off to school and then getting myself to my day job. And then it, from there, it's just on and popping. <laughs> um, what's your day job? So it's funny, my day job, I'm a paralegal. Um, in a labor and employment practice, it's just really been the past two years that I have shifted my focus to being a health coach and doing my own podcast and now, you know, releasing my own line of CBD supplements. So it's just this whole different identity that I've kind of moved into, but it's, it's so in alignment with, you know, my true passion, which is health and wellness and helping others you know, heal themselves on their own journey. And so you're the founder of Motherhood Unstressed. That's right. And it's so funny because when I decided on that name, my three-year-old was literally having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, we, I was just trying to going back and forth with my husband about different names for the brand. And I was like, I'm stressed. And I was like, well, what about Motherhood Unstressed? <laughs> I mean, it was such a moment. It was perfection. I mean, I think was destined to happen because, you know, motherhood, parenthood is so stressful and so unpredictable. So really what my, it's almost like a laugh at that because it is so crazy. But at the same time, you know, I truly do believe that there are things we can do to set ourselves up for success and to navigate, you know, the journey of motherhood and parenting well, you know, and, and create a good impact and be a good example. One of the things I found that you call out about yourself is that um, your life isn't necessarily in that lots of contemporary mothers have lots of stress. And I, I 100% agree with that. And I also say that all of our lives are incredibly unique right now. In the, in the course of human history, humans have never had to deal with almost everything that we interact with on a daily basis. So our like our biological response to the lifestyle that we've more or less been dropped in is really unique on a on a a more macro time scale. Mm-hmm. And 
I would say yes, motherhood is remarkably stressful because it's layered on top of life, which is also remarkably stressful. Absolutely. So, um, when you're when you're speaking um, from your perspective of stress, do you think it's the and from a, from a mother, do you think it's the more you're more affected or you're consumed with the biological stressors, the the actual energy and time that it that are required to be a mother, or is it the societal pressures? Right, the you've used the word perfection already, but that necessity for perfection that we're all kind of um, under the weight of. Man, that's a great question. And I think I think it seeps into both of those categories. You know, obviously life is incredibly stressful and the pace of life has picked up to to where, you know, our parents couldn't even couldn't even believe, you know, how much information is thrown at us every single day and what we're dealing with and the, the amount of decision making that goes on in a single day. Yeah. Um so I think that that definitely plays into it. And then of course, you know, because of that, because we're all scrambling and doing careers and this and that, and, you know, all these different obligations, there's a large amount of societal and cultural guilt that comes with being it all and doing it all and, and being a good mom who's got her stuff together and has lost all the baby weight. And, you know, is this remarkable specimen, you know, and I think a large part of that is due to social media. And I don't think there's anything wrong with social media. I love social media because it's a mirror. You know, it's a mirror of who we really are and what's really going on. But at the same time, I think there's this dearth of authenticity and truth because so many people are putting on their best face for all of their friends to see. And then their friends are like, well, she's got it all together. I've got to up my game or, you know, I'm having a really hard time, but there's no one I can talk to because everyone else is living a perfect life. So I think there's a disconnect between what's really going on in our lives and what we're willing to share. And when that happens, you know, people get depression and they get anxiety and, and you have that mommy guilt that comes up and every woman I've ever talked to brings it up. You know, that moment where you kind of let your guard down and you, you tell people what's really going on, it always comes back to that or I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough, you know, so it's so common and it's, it's sad, but at the same time, I think conversations like this are, crucial to opening that door and to allowing other women to come forward and say, Hey, I'm having a hard time or, you know, this has not been a great week and here's why. And, and to not be shamed because of it or, you know, to be accepted because that's reality. This is real life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the authenticity of the people that you choose to include in your circle, whether that's a in a circle of admiration or whether that's a circle of friendship, the authenticity of those people is really important. And if we, I'm trying not to pick on any one in particular person, but let's, let's just say there was a fictitious person out there who um, doesn't do much for society, but has happened to fall into a ton of money and therefore has a massive following on social media. Um, they're able to impact a ton of people and mm -hmm. without re without really creating an actual impact <laughs> um, yeah. or a positive impact. I guess there's a there's a very minimal positive impact to a lot of people that we put upon the thrones of social media. And if we could somehow bring in more authenticity to even social media relationships that might not not necessarily have real friendship ties. I think mm -hmm. we could make some huge shifts in our society. Um, 
that seems to be something that is really close to the passion um, that you're involved with, which is really connecting to to life, right? Knowing that sometimes things aren't going to be perfect. How did you how did you come to that realization or point where you were willing to admit life isn't perfect? <laughs> you know, I, it took some time because when I first started to to blog and put myself out there, I was scared. I was terrified. I was truly terrified because it was just like walking outside naked and just being afraid that you were going to be judged and viewed differently by people that you've known your entire life. And then there just came to be a point where it felt better to share and to really show myself than not, you know, I think at the core level, every human being just wants to be seen and heard. And when you do that, yes, it's absolutely terrifying, but at the same time, it's incredibly liberating. And it's like, when you start to do it, there's no going back, you know, and that's what I've seen a lot with your work too. I mean, you really are real and you get raw and you express yourself in such a way that connects with people and it works. And I can imagine that you weren't always that way. It's hard. (laughs) Most people don't, most people don't take that chance because it's too scary. For sure. And it is, it is scary. Um, And it's scary to admit that you're vulnerable. And at Mm -hmm. the same time, um, like one of the things that one of the things that we do on it, we work with whole body vibration, which is this really unique technology that moves your body 0.3 millimeters. And um, watching people get on a vibration plate that's going to move them up and down 0.3 millimeters and seeing their whole world kind of melt away is a mm-hmm. constant reminder of how fragile we are as an organism. Because if a 0.3 millimeter shake can like destroy the foundation of who we think we are, <laughs> we really need to admit that we're just not as tough as we want to pretend to be. Absolutely. But I would go further and say that once you do break away all of that societal, that that id that we create growing up, we are just infinite, you know? And if you can just get to that point and accept that point, there's really nothing that can sway you or destroy you. But it's it's crossing that border that it's so life altering. And, And really, once you do that, I mean, there's no going back. It's so true. When when you're talking about crossing the border, um, how do you how do you visualize or how do how do you coach somebody through that actual process? Like, is it an active process or is it an active version of letting go? It's it's hard to put into words. I think a lot of it it is something that needs to be practiced every single day. And the best way I have found, you know, is at this point meditation. and just really connecting with that inner spirit inside all of us. And that it starts with connecting really with the inner child, because I think that's a great doorway into finding out who we really are. Because when we are children, we are so pure and we haven't been inundated with societal norms and, you know, everything that goes with that, and which is completely normal. Um, and so when you connect with that inner child and send that inner child love through meditation, sitting meditation, ideally first thing in the morning, it starts to open that doorway into a wider knowing. And what I have found, your intuition increases, you know, your sense of self, your sense of self-confidence increases, and then you're able to see people for who they are. And instead of jumping to judging or disliking someone, you just kind of start accepting people. And, And really, that's when you're free, because nothing and no one can really shake you and bother you anymore. Yeah, how... Your meditative practice is seated. Um, what's mm-hmm. what's the typical duration? 
Oh, gosh. Well, it really honestly depends on what time I went to bed the night before or, you know, if I'm feeling particularly restless. Um, it can range anywhere for, from 5 to 20 minutes in the morning. Um, and that's that's a good morning. You know, it, it, I feel pretty good when I can at least get 5 to 10 minutes in yeah. because it's just it's just that act of self-love, you know, touching base with yourself and something bigger than you and really opening up your tap to, you know, the infinite wisdom of the universe and i know that sounds woo but try it and see how your your physical being and your mental being starts to shift yeah i think there's two things i want to touch on there one you talked about uh how you are able to remove some of that that judgment that we oftentimes put on on everything that's around us for me that comes from meditation's ability to create some space and distance and it just Mm -hmm. it's like it almost backs me up away from the edge like without meditation I'm personally living like right on that edge of the cliff so there's just not a ton of mistakes but when I when I have my strong meditative practice going um, there's just I'm able to step away from that that cliff and I can make some mistakes. People can make some mistakes around me and life is still fine. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Is is that an experience that, I mean, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. And I think, honestly, I was so drawn to meditation and spiritual practices because I was someone who was, and probably still am, very type A. And, you know, I was raised by a Marine Corps officer. Our whole family was run like a military unit, you know, very disciplined and, you know, hardcore. And if you messed up, you knew about it, you know, people were going to let you know. So for me, I had to start doing something that was going, like you said, to give me some space and to let me be able to breathe through a situation and assess the situation, remove from the thoughts that were spinning through my head and the, the emotional gut reaction and see it from almost from outside of my body and yeah. then decide what to do next, you know, from a place of calm which is so crucial because, you know, and it's so many people listening I know have come from families like that or just come from families who are very emotional and and maybe not the slowest reactors, you know, you just, you know, I mean, and that's totally normal. You know, that's kind of where we've been on an evolutionary standpoint because you had to run away from the lion. You had to like make decisions quickly, but now it's like, you're not going to die. So you really need to up your game and evolve and say, okay, what's really going on and how can I best deal with the situation in front of me? Yeah, I, I've i really fallen in love with this idea of um, tactical versus strategic thinking. So mm. tactical thinking is really quick, decisive, and in the moment, and you're not really thinking about the long-term implications of the next move because you're needing to make a, a quick shift. If we can shift that thought process towards a more strategic thinking, then we're, we're able to free up the the future thought processes. So tactical thought processes are always putting us in the position where we need to worry about the next decision, need to worry about the next decision. But if we're able to make those longer term decisions, which requires space, I don't think that you can make strategic decisions without having the space to step back and think about that. But I also think that it ends up having an exponential effect because you can save those future decision resources because you've already thought through the next couple process evolution of steps. Back to your actual practice, the five to 10 minutes. I think that's another mm-hmm. thing that people get 
really stuck on in there in why they fail in their meditative practice. Somehow we've come to this idea that the way to meditate is to sit under a tree for 14 days straight. <laughs> and if we don't do that, then we're not successful. But five minutes can massively impact your day in a way that is really ridiculous not to participate in. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody has five to, to sit down and just zone out. You know, no, nothing, your phone is not near, the TV is not on, you know, your partner's not chatting in your ear. The kids are asleep. Like, it's really, like I said before, it's really an act of self-love. And the and the and your brain does change, even in three minutes. Yeah. They've been shown, studies have shown the brain, you know, in areas where learning is key and compassion, memory, that part of your brain grows. And the part of your brain that shrinks are the sections that's related to anxiety, stress, depression. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. It's brain science. It's not woo-woo. Um, and so, yeah, three minutes, five minutes, everyone can do that. And the benefits just far outweigh you not wanting to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and the excuses that we make, which I want to jump towards this idea of making yourself a priority, right? Because I think one of the things that is easy is to say, well, I don't have five minutes because I'm going to give this five minutes to mm. my kids or my partner or my work. Um, and I think for mothers, there's like almost an internal civil war. I need to take care of myself. And I think most mothers would be willing to admit that they need to take care of themselves because if they're taking care of themselves, they're able to longer term strategically take care of everyone around them better. It's airplane oxygen mass analogy that everybody loves to use. But there's also the fact that there's a little child that they created in the next and any mm -hmm. time that that is spent away from that life force is it feels like it can feel like you're stealing. How do you how do you wrap your head around that concept so that you can allow yourself the space and freedom to take care of yourself? Man, you bring up such a good point because that's something that I see with my clients. People message me on Instagram. That's literally I see that every single day. Well, how yeah. am I going to do this? You know, I, I know I have to. I'm, I'm a smart woman, but how do I actually put it into practice? And what I say to them is really something that people don't really like to hear. And it involves going to bed earlier the night before when you would rather be having a glass of wine and watching some really bad TV and instead getting your butt in the bed at a decent hour so that you can get up when your precious child is asleep. And so there's no excuse then. They don't need you. Your partner doesn't need you. Work doesn't need you. You can get up and do what you need to do to fill up your cup and, and essentially put on your oxygen mask. Um, and there's really, there's no excuse, you know, and I, I struggle with this too. Sometimes I really do want to hit the snooze button and just go back to sleep. But I know that I'm going to be such a better wife, such a better mother, you know, such a better coworker when I do these things for myself. And I'm just going to, at the end of the day, be a happier person. And isn't that what life is about, you know, enjoying life, seeking pleasure in life. And it starts with the relationship and care that you have for yourself. It, I think part of that, part of that becomes the problem is once a life form is created for a lot of people, life then becomes almost exclusively about protecting that life form. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and those that idea of protecting the life form is still intertwined with protecting you as a mother, as a parent, because you can't possibly protect your child if you're gone. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's the really, it's, 
it's a weird dichotomy that I see every day too. So it's really, really common. And I, I really appreciate and commend the fact that you really are a leading edge in encouraging humans to take care of themselves. Mothers specifically, but all humans to take care of themselves because it just, if we as an organism, we as individual humans take care of our, we do a better job of not only taking care of our family, but taking care of our neighborhood and taking care of our city and care of our country, taking care of the world and the planet that we live on and want to leave for future generations. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. And that's really, that's my goal, you know, at the end of the day. I was not in a good place when I first had my my oldest son. You know, I was trying to keep that organism alive and and doing whatever I could. And at the same time, I was I was stealing any kind of nourishment from myself because I thought that's what you did. You know, I just yeah. thought that that's what everybody was supposed to do. And it was that dark and then crawling my way out of that that you know I found my mission and my purpose. And so I hope that that's what I can continue to do because I love it and I see the changes that are happening in others and it just fuels me to keep going and really just spreading that message. So thank you. Yeah, it feels like you found a really good place to to express your life energy. What did you think you would be doing right now in your life when you were 16? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think when I was 16, I knew that I wanted to travel the world. So in my mind, I thought I was going to work in an embassy because um, my mother had worked for the federal government. Obviously, my father was a Marine. So I thought that that was my path. So I was starting to take a lot of um, like social classes and, and research being an attache. Okay. What is your travel? What does your travel life look like now? Oh, my gosh. So I, I go to D.C. a lot for work. Um, but other than that, I'll do maybe one big trip a year somewhere just for me, like a conference, like a health conference or, you know, it's really, it's been pared back, you know, because of my boys. Um, but I'm already now planning, you know, our summer trips and where I want to take them. And it's not to Disney world. It's to, you know, places like the national parks. And this weekend we're going to go camping, um, and so just kind of get immersed into nature. So really my travel because I've traveled Europe, you know, I, I studied abroad in college and that was amazing and I can't wait to go back. Um, but now it's really focusing on like, where can I go, which still be amazing and enlightening and take the kids, you yeah. know, and, and, and show them the world, the beauty of the world that we, we have. Yeah. So that's, those are my plans currently I love making it happen. I really like, um, and I'm, I'm not in the majority in this opinion, but I have really fallen in love with this idea of living what would be a historically more natural life. So, um, yeah, I've done some traveling, like I, I've been, I've been in the world and there's amazing things out there, but in a historical perspective, humans didn't get all of things around the world, but what they were able to do is know the world that they lived around in a really mm. intimate and deep level. So like, Humans used to know every single plant that they would interact with on a daily basis. They interacted with plants on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And now we can walk through our neighborhood and we can see 20 different species of plants and that's it. That's all there are. And we probably can't name 15 of them. So <laughs> I really like this concept of immersing yourself in the, the micro 
the micro world that you live in and really intimately knowing everything so that when you go on a walk in the morning, if there's a if there had been some landscaping and a bush is trimmed, you notice like how much of that bush is missing, or you notice that the the neighborhood kids moved a pile of rocks from five feet <laughs> over to five feet over. And there's many people would find that remarkably boring. But I think that if you look at it as a practice, that can be just as just as pleasurable as travel. To I think you're so right. And what you just described to me sounds like your own form of meditation. I mean, it's like a walking meditation and connection, and that is powerful. That is a beautiful thing, and I can only imagine, you know, what that is doing to the neurons in your brain and the connections in your brain. For sure, it's yeah. Every almost everything we do offers some opportunity for for some type of reflection and meditative quality. Um, You also have a physical movement practice. Like you're you're a yogi. You're a self described yogi. Mm-hmm. How'd you find yoga? I found yoga after after my sons were born. I mean, I had practiced before here and there in college, you know, going to college classes and stuff like that with friends, but never really connected. And I felt like, well, this isn't doing anything. I need to go out and run 10 miles. You know, mm-hmm. this is a waste of time. Sure. And my brain was just, you know, as a 20 something year old, it was too fast and just wasn't mature enough, I guess. And I'll I'll be really honest about that to settle and get clear with myself. And, you know, it wasn't until I was in probably my mid to late twenties when I started to take up meditation, um, cause I felt a calling towards it. I felt, I felt like there was a hole inside of me. So I started to meditate and from that got into movement of yoga. And then from there it was just, I changed, you know, I changed as a person from there. Um, and so it's something that if I don't do it every single day, I start to get a little like, I can feel myself winding up a little bit and it's like, okay, Liz, like come back, you know, come back to yourself. And it just feels good. I mean, at the end of the day, when you've been sleeping all night, the best thing in the world feels like to go into child's pose or to go into pigeon and just sink into it. Like that's pleasure to me. For sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's just a, it's another great opportunity to connect with your body. It's like an exploration of, of all of the, the structural components and muscular of the body in, in a really, a really immediate feedback um, just a unique immediate feedback opportunity that we don't get when we're, when we're transversing through the world. Well, and that just, I mean, that's so true. And so many people are not connected to their bodies. They are just walking heads, walking around completely in their heads, nowhere near their hearts, nowhere near the sensations that are happening in their body. So it's like when you, you know, do yoga with someone who's never really done it or do breath work with someone who's never really done it, like they start to cry a lot yeah, of people for sure. because it, and they, they've been gone. They've been gone for so long from themselves. And so I love bringing people into yoga and just saying, like, see, like it, your body, it's been here the whole time. Your body loves you. You know, don't be at war with your body, you know, nourish it and love it. And, and life will be different for you, you know. And I say that because that's what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Experience is a great it's a great teacher and it's a great place to teach from who talking about teachers who are the most impactful mentors you've had in your life? You know, the first one that comes to mind is, you know, my dad, he, he taught me discipline. And, you know, at the time, I hated him for it. Um, But it's something that has stuck with me my entire life. So when I was going through 
you know, the baby blues and really hard times after having my son, I always knew that I would do what I needed to do, even though I felt terrible and I didn't know what was up or down. I knew that I had the strength and the discipline to get better and to, to take care of my son and take care of myself. So I really think that is, you know, that message and of leadership and discipline that he instilled in me, you know, even though I was fighting it my whole <laughs> adolescence yeah. and childhood saved me. Um, and of course I love my Angelou. Brene Brown, because these are women who talk about being out in the world, even if you're completely alone, you have yourself. And just by being yourself, you can go anywhere and you don't have to worry about, you know, having a tribe necessarily, but it's, it's when you embody who you really are and you love who you really are that your tribe finds you, you know, and that's really what's happened to me. I mean, I grew up all over the country. We would move every two years. And so I always felt isolated and like the odd man out, like it was just the way it was. Um, and so you know, I struggled a long time with, you know, building really good relationships with people because in my mind, like, well, you know, we're going to move in a year, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't really want to connect with you too much anyway, because I'm going to be hurt when we leave. And so that kind of carried over into my twenties. And it was through reading, you know, Brene Brown and my Angela's work that, you know, you can be out in the wilderness and just really just love yourself and you will be able to go anywhere and be happy and find amazing people who vibrate on your frequency. Yeah, that's such a such an important thing. And I, I think the thing that you called out is in order to find people that have the same frequency as you, you really have to know what frequency you have. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you have to be able to represent that frequency to the world as well. Otherwise, if you're even if you're if you're able to fake your frequency enough, you're going to attract people that are on the wrong frequency. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're going to attract people regardless. So you really want to be mindful of of your relationship with yourself and what you're putting out. Because if you're putting out something negative, if you don't love yourself in that moment, watch out because you're going to get some people who are going to teach you <laughs> what you should stay away from. Um, on that idea of, on that idea of teaching, are there any, are there any specific ideas that have really influenced you? Anything that you've really grasped onto as a concept that's created a, the, impact or shift in your life? I think something that's really stuck with me was just the realization that we are not our thoughts. We are the observer of our thoughts. And that's from Eckhart Tolle. You know, he's so profound. And I, I always come back to that when I start feeling my body getting worked up or I start like getting mad at my partner. I'll, I'll just try in the moment to step out and remember that. And it saved me from so many pointless idiotic fights, you know, in front of my kids, you know, that would have been, you know, potentially really damaging, yeah. you know, just not even to the kids, but to my relationship with my husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, that space that we, we've keep going back to is, yeah. is such an important part because without that space, it's really hard to separate out those, those needless, those needless fights can happen much easier. Um, and, and really when we look at our partners, we're, we're on the same team. Like we, we almost always want exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're just approaching it from different perspectives. And the moment we can give ourselves that space and say, all right, well, we, we're both shooting for this goal. Uh, he, he, he wants you to be happy. You want him to be happy. How do we, how do we get to that place instead of coming at it for, I want this to make this and this to make this. So meditation, 
for me anyway, gives so it just allows for the opportunity to have that pause, that reset, and the opportunity to approach a conversation instead of approach a disagreement. Oh, can you repeat that? You broke up again. Well, well, well I'll move on to this because I think it's really close. Um, to me, because meditation has that power to give us that separation, it's almost like magic. What's the closest mm. thing in your life that you've experienced to magic? Oh my gosh, what a great question. I think oh, there's just so many things that are coming to mind right now. I think meeting my son for the first time and that moment where he was born, we did a whole water birth thing um, and and seeing his face and feeling his presence. I mean, I'd felt his presence obviously for 10 months, but then seeing him and feeling that connection, it's unlike anything yeah. you'll ever experience. It's a visceral spiritual physical reaction all happening at the same time yeah that that was magic. yeah yeah that that is a it's a really magic thing um that you have the capacity to create human right? oh, it's, mean... super, it's super weird <laughs> i mean it's, it's super weird yeah it's really when you when you allow yourself to step back far enough and just think about the fact that you created a human that that is a really magical experience to be able to interact with some some one that you've created right out of the ether this this being now exists that there's really it's hard to think of anything that's more magical than that yeah yeah absolutely and and i will say when he was like two or three you know we were talking to him and and we're like, you know, did you pick us as your parents? You know, just playing around. And he's like, yeah. yeah, I did. And we were like, what? And, he's like, well, and we were like, well, where were you before? And he was like, I was just kind of floating outside. Mm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So now that you can um, interact on an uh, intellectual level, what what is that experience like the first time that you really start to interact with this this little human on a on a way where they're able to really respond to you and answer questions? I mean, it definitely catches you off guard because it's like overnight they receive this software download yeah. and you didn't know it was happening that night, you know, so they, they'll say something or they'll repeat, they'll repeat something that you say a lot. And for me, like it's immediately like a, a micro of surprise and then a micro of like just pleasure and like laughter. Um, and I just, I love it because I think, you know, we remember most remember what it was like to be a kid. And so we don't feel old like our parents were, like mm -hmm. our parents were so old. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's, it's a reintroduction to yourself as a child in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, what's the, what's the craziest question that you've got from, from your children? Um, <laughs> uh, what's that? We're pointing <laughs> to a part of my anatomy. <laughs> and right. I was like, Oh, you're too young. You're yeah. old now. That's I can't a... walk around naked anymore. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> what about from the from the people you work with perspective like what's the craziest what's the question that really just made your gears start turning um about motherhood i think i didn't realize the amount of guilt that women were having you know i you know you you assume yeah everyone's not doing the you know they think they can be doing better but no 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 like this is this is deep this runs deep and so many people are really suffering with feeling like they're not treating themselves well, but they can't because they don't want to 
be a bad mom and, you know, be someone that is not doing a good enough job. And so it's a, it's a systemic deep run issue. And so that's really where my work has been focusing. And, and the funny thing is dads feel it just, I mean, they do. And we think that they don't, they don't care. They're just, you know, these rough and tumble guys, but no, there's, there's uh, absolutely an equal amount of guys out there who want to be vulnerable and want to be there for their kids. And they just feel like they can't because they're a dad and they have to be tough. And, you know, there's a lot of pain out there. We, we all feel like we're not doing or being enough and, and that's got to stop. It really does. That's a, I, I, I don't know if it's, it's an interesting time that we're living in. I'll say that. So there is, there right now feels from my perspective, like there's a, a probably really well-deserved swelling of angst against the male species. Um, and at the same time, while the feelings of frustration towards males are valid, without a doubt, absolutely valid, we some we need to find that space that meditative answer might be the the answer here but we need to find that space where instead of the divide and and pushing males away is generalized a bad thing that has been repressive and uh just generally pretty horrible we need to find that space where we where we bring the sexes together and where where we mm-hmm. all come together as one humanity um so i I just want to thank you, I guess, for making that acknowledgement, because I think those acknowledgements are really important right now, uh, because it can be really easy to say, I'm frustrated and sick of men. Um, mm-hmm. And and I, I totally understand that opinion. And at the same time, I'm always like, oh, but... I'm not that repressive. I, right. I feel like I'm getting lumped into this this category yeah. right now. And um, so I, I want to commend you. And one of the things that I try to do in my life is instead of uh, trying to make the change through punish the opposite way that I share my appreciation for people that are doing things I think will just impact and change so that they're encouraged to make the decisions in the future. So I just want to say that and I'll say thank you. Oh, absolutely. And I think you're so right. When we focus, I mean, the majority of men are, the majority of men humans. want to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, human, the majority of humans are good. Like yeah. we could all be killing each other right now yeah, and we're not, sure. you know? For sure. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're so right. And you know, the more that we acknowledge and it starts in the home, the more that we acknowledge our partners and our neighbors and, you know, the men in our lives that we care about and love, it just, it encourages them that, you know, to continue to, to be good and to do good things because sure. they are, and it is happening. And I think, you know, what's going on in the movement, that's insanely important. For sure. Um, but as with any movement, you know, it always goes one way, really, really extreme, and then it'll come back to center. So I think that is coming. And I, I think at the end of the day, whenever, when all the dust is settled, we will be in a better place. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll undoubtedly be in a better place with, without a doubt. I think there's no, it's a, it's a, the, empowerment of of the female species is something that is a necessity for our planet it it has to happen because we mm-hmm. need strong female leadership in a in a way that is very obvious um but we need that strong female leadership to be inclusive and in inclusive involves involves everybody from all walks of life no no matter what i think that Leadership is inclusive, and, and that is really a defining line in leadership. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. When, when you're, if you were given the power to know the absolute truth to any question ever, 
what would that question be? Where do we go after we die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's neat. <neutral. laughs> it's funny. I ask that question all the time. And to me, that seems like a really, a really important and obvious question, but it doesn't, it doesn't get asked that often. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Is there, is there anything in, in your existence that leads you to believe anything? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we do live on, you know, because we're all energy, you know, and energy never dies. So whether that means you come back as, you know, in a tree or a flower, yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I don't, think, I think the essence of who we are, whatever form that may be, you know, it's probably something bigger than I could, than we could ever comprehend yeah. lives on in another way. And it, I think it's a beautiful cycle. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a fun, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting question because it answers so many things about the existence of our universe, right? If you if you could answer that question, a lot of the other pieces of the puzzle would be apparent and obvious. And at the same time, it's kind of beautiful not to like. It's it's mm. kind of beautiful just to to be able to exist and feel connect through that heart space with how how you exist in this universe that you can perceive. Yeah, absolutely. And to and to appreciate where we are right here and right now, not knowing, you know, if we have tomorrow, just live and yeah. be thankful and see the beauty all around you and the people and nature, everything. Yeah. All right. I have two two final questions for you. Um, number number one, post the post your first son um, or your first child, you had some you described it as like post baby blues. Mm -hmm. um, health wise, was there a significant decline in how you felt? Um, no, I mean, I was, I was strong, you know, I, I ran throughout my whole pregnancy, you know, I was fit, I ate really well, I think it was just, I, I mean, I was tired, I think that's pretty normal. It was more of a heaviness on my soul, okay. you know, and this new identity, who was I, what am I doing? Like, am I doing a good enough job? It was all that, that mental anguish that I was experiencing, I was really beating myself up every day. Yeah. Yeah, super common. Was there yeah. any one shift that made a, a significant impact for you? Was it like, is there any one thing that you can say this was really impactful? I think when I broke down while I was bathing my son and I just realized I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, I'm not doing anyone any favors. I want to be happy. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to live a beautiful life. And so what helped me you know, claw my way out was going for runs and really running away from my house and my family for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, um, running away and just feeling good in my body and connecting with my body and breath. Um, that really, that was really the one thing that helped me shift out of that space. Space. It, it keeps coming back to that. <laughs> I love this. I love this talk. <laughs> yeah. Space is such an important thing. And, um, we need to give ourselves space. Yeah. You just, you just have to do it. And it's, it's part of replenishing the cup is if you're, if you're constantly suffocating your soul, um, no matter, no matter who you are and how much you want to spend time with anyone, if every second of that existence is smashed up against something else, there's just not a lot of room to, to breathe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Final question for you. Do you have any questions at all for me? Yeah. How... What, what was the moment where you shifted into who you are now? Because I think there had to be an evolution that took place there. Do you remember the moment? 
Yeah, for me, it's like a really distinct moment. So from from my story, I um, I was a very stubborn human. So I needed the universe um, probably had been tapping on my shoulder and trying to get my mm-hmm. attention for some time. It just decided to hit me with a semi truck. It noticed that wasn't when I so bad with like 15 years ago, let's say roughly 15 years ago, uh, my body just stopped working. And um, mm-hmm. I went from six hours a day in the gym guy to I can't get out of bed two years guy in the snap of the and um, that really, really was the window through which I was able to see the necessity for change. So, right, change as a as a human doesn't happen just because you get sick or just because you have a life change doesn't mean you are as a but it can give you a new perspective and that perspective uh, was needed. And the perspective was, although frustrating um, mm. and challenging for sure, it was it was probably the greatest gift that I've had uh, in that it really took me off a path of being a real a-hole and um, put me in a place where I am slightly less of an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love that. I love that. I love that you took the perspective and ran with it. Yeah, and it's something that I think is important when we have those challenges because my opinion is that all of us as humans are going across life and we can either plant an anchor in that bridge never move past that anchor because that anchor always pulls us back or we can say i got to get across this bridge somehow and uh, when i do that i'm gonna ability so i try courage people who've had traumatic events no matter what they are um, to share them with people. Cause I think that's, super- mm-hmm. and, and at the same time, um, don't define yourself by the, the experience is just something that happened and it, it doesn't, it doesn't put a mold around your life and what your life can become. That's so empowering and so true. And it takes that mostly scared and sharing it and putting yourself out there, but it changes everything for sure. Liz, Thank you so much for coming on Becoming Legendary. This has been a super fun time and I appreciate your time so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing talk and I just know your listeners are going to benefit so much just from you and the work that you're doing. And I'm just honored to be on your show today.